I started thinking about what I'd be bringing. I'm going to be talking about having the heart of a servant, being an enthusiastically servant-hearted people. And I started thinking about, you know, the whole thing about what are our values. And it didn't go very well because I started, like, getting sidetracked and thinking about what's valuable and valuables. And I worked out that maybe I'm not that materialistic because I'm not that bothered about possessions and things. And I, I guess like many of you, if I had to rescue something from my house, I'd probably rescue a photo rather than some stuff. But, but then I started thinking about, like, like, when I'm walking around, probably the most valuable thing I have is my wallet. And, and then I realized that I have some of those, those habits that, that men have who carry wallets, you know, the tap. Like when you get out of the car or when you go somewhere or when you just put your coat and it's like, where's, where's the wallet? You do the tap, you do the tap. Uh, and some of you, some of you will think, I would never do such a stupid thing in my life. Others will go, oh yeah, I do that most days. But for me, probably my wallet is the most valuable thing that I carry around with me. And, and I like to know where it is, and I like to do the little pat, just because I, I move it around different pockets, just, you know, mix it up, keep things fresh. But um, I'm always doing that, that thing. Not, not all the time. I've not, like, got some kind of Tourette's. But, but, but I, I do do it regularly. And... and I like to know where it is, and where it is, is it's always close by me, it's, it's on my person, it, it's kind of like against my chest or against my lower back, um, and it's not particularly exciting, it's, someone gave me it, it's free, and it's got my cards, and it. it's got my driver's license, but if you sat me down and asked me what was in it, I could probably tell you pretty accurately what's in it. For instance, I know there's no English money in there at the moment, but... The whole thing there started me thinking about this series that we're looking at. It isn't just a series where we get informed and we inform each other about the values of the family of churches that we're part of, the values of the regions beyond church movement. Being informed isn't really what it is for us. I think there's a lesson for us as, as a community, which is for us to get the most out of this series. These are the values that we are to have close to us to know where they are, to know what's in them, and to know how to use them. So the value of this series is, is minimal if it just educates us, tells us something about the, the network of churches that we've joined, but it's of huge value if it begins to change us on the inside, if it begins to give us some tools to live our Christian life. And we've looked at the centrality of the Bible, how we, how we understand what we understand not because of the interpretation of the, the society we live in, but the eternal word of God. Of the fact that we live under grace, that the Holy Spirit is alive in us, that we're here for each other's success, that uh, we are not just a diverse body, but we are a body that is deliberately diverse. We're welcome into all different backgrounds, all different types of person from different social backgrounds, from different racial backgrounds, and we deliberately structure the way we operate as a community to be inclusive. That we have a mandate to the poor, that we reach those that society neglects, and that we're a mission-orientated people. And these things, and today we're talking about having a servant heart, and these things are of most benefit to us when we know them. When, when they become close to our person. So let's, let's move straight into today's talk, which is about having a servant heart. And, and I had to resist 
as I was preparing this, every natural inclination in the way I speak to people, as soon as I saw that I was going to be helping share on having a servant heart, my brain is like a little hamster in the wheel going round and round. And immediately I was thinking, you know, if you drive to the meeting and you've got a spare seat, you, you, could, be a, you could serve. There's an opportunity to help somebody. And, and all these practical applications of how we can, how we can be a people that meet each other's needs just bubbled up in, in my head. You know, you know, like when you heat sugar and, and it kind of like, it doesn't just bubble a bit like boiling water. It kind of like bubbles and froths and comes up and up. And that's, that's how naturally I would share with you this morning. But as I was thinking and praying and being before God about what to bring this morning, I realized, actually, that's not, I don't believe that's on the heart of God this morning. The heart of God this morning is not for the hows, but rather, rather than go through a list of all the different ways in which we can meet each other's needs and be of benefit and be of service to each other, rather than get into that, to take a step back and to look at the, but what does it mean to be a servant? What does it mean to have the heart of a servant? And as a believer, why? Why should we seek to have the heart of a servant? And from that place, without any particular teaching, without any particular instruction, from that place of revelation, it will naturally work its way out in our lives. We will naturally find an expression to serve. I was going to say this morning we'll have absolutely no practical application whatsoever, but then Rachel gave a notice and said we could still do with two, two sets of people to make meals for Alpha. So, so maybe there is a practical application for somebody but what does it mean to be a servant? If, if, we, uh, if we put the picture up, this might help us. This is a picture of uh, a show that was on TV, maybe still is on TV, called Downton Abbey. And, and there's a guy there who's the, who's the head butler, and the posh people uh, are, are eating a meal. And in this series, there's really well-off, wealthy people, and, and they live in this big mansion house. And they have a, a range of different servants. And I look at that picture and I, I think, you know, what's the role of a servant? A servant is someone who is seeing to the needs of others. A servant is someone who's making sure that the people that they're serving have their needs met. That whatever they need, it is supplied. And, it, and it's not just that they meet the needs of others, because they're not sitting at the table and eating and also sharing, but, but they meet the needs of others before they look to meet their own needs. It's, it's their purpose. It's basically somebody who's, who's put their agenda to one side in order to meet the needs of others. But we're going to look at some scriptures later, and we're going to look at some scriptures about why we should have a servant heart, and we're going to come across the word servant. Now, we're, we're reading it in English, but the New Testament originally was written in Greek, and, and the word there in the New Testament that we're going to translate servant is doulu, or I have no idea how to pronounce Greek, so that will do, doulu. The translation of that word servant is probably a little bit kind. Servant is probably a little bit soft in a way. So, so it could be translated bond servant, or, or it could also be at a push, it could be translated slave. And the literal definition of the word that we read in the New Testament when it's translated servant, the literal translation is someone who belongs to another. So 
it's not the case that a servant is just somebody who served. It's not the case that somebody who puts their agenda to one side for a period of time in order to meet the needs of others, but rather a servant who is someone who no longer owns their own agenda, who no longer has that sense of ownership of who they are, but instead they give that up uh, voluntarily or involuntary in, in the natural world when we're talking about servants, but they give that up in order to be directed by others, in order to be directed by uh, matters outside of their own control. And I think, I think this picture helps in a way to talk about what servants are, but I also think in this picture there's something that perhaps we don't fully understand, which is in this picture that we're looking at, being a servant is a decent job. Being a servant is preferable to many other areas. And I think sometimes when we talk about being a servant, when we talk about being a bond servant, or when we talk about being a slave, there's lots of maybe negative things come to mind about what type of person someone like that would be. We might imagine that it's someone who's perhaps not educated or perhaps of, of not a huge amount of skill or, or someone who's not got a huge amount of substance behind them. When we read in the Bible and we're reading about slaves or bond servants or servants, we're reading in a period of time where the, the Roman Empire is, is ruling Israel. Probably one in three people would be considered to be either a servant or a slave. Uh, some slaves would be doctors. Be, being a slave does not mean being, being a, a, of a lowly position in society. It just meant that you did not belong to yourself you belonged to somebody else. You could be highly educated. You could be highly skilled. You could be a person of significant substance. And I think that's important for us because when we think about being a servant, it's not about position in society. It's not about status. It's not about background. It's about who, di who directs our path. So, so let's, let's look at at the big thing, which is, you know, why, why are we to be a people with servant hearts? Now, it, it, it's like, you know, the answer is obvious, why? Uh, it, it's a bit like, you know, the kids' work question or that old joke or Sunday school. You've got the group of children, they're taken out from the, the meeting and they're in a room and a group of six-year-olds and the, the, the kids' work leader teaching them says, I've got a question for you guys. Who, who can answer this? Um, you might find this in a park. It's covered in grey fur and it has a long bushy tail. And, and then a hand goes up and, and Jordan, right, the teacher goes, yes, Jordan. He goes, miss, miss, I don't know. I know the answer's got to be Jesus, but it sure sounds like a squirrel to me. <laughs> and why, why should we seek to develop our servant heart? It is, of course, because of Jesus. It is, of course, because of God. If we turn in the words to John 3.16, it starts here. I have no glasses on. They're in my pocket. Let me read it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It started with God. God gave. God made a gift to us. It was a gift born from love. And that gift was his son. And having accepted his son, we're heaven bound. We, we've got a ticket to ride. Our 
Our passport has been stamped, and we are now a citizen of heaven. And because of that, because of this free gift of Jesus, there's no sense that anything we do will have any impact on whether or not we're going to heaven. There's, there's no way our service, our serving each other, our being humble, our meeting the needs of our city, there's no way any of that stuff has any effect on whether or not we get to heaven. God gave his only son. He gave him. He freely chose to give him, and he did it because he loves us. And as we receive him, as we receive him, we receive his nature. We receive a gift. And if we can look at two more scriptures, if we can flick onto the next slide. There's a few words here. But there's two scriptures here. It started with God the Father, and then it rolls out to Jesus, to God the Son. And if we read these two scriptures together, they show us something. They work, they work in combination. In Philippians 2, 5 to 8, it says this. It says, in your relationships, this is written, it's written to a group of people like us. It's written to a church and a community uh, by, by a Christian teacher. And, and it's as applicable to us as it, as it was to the, the church in Philippi. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance of a man. He humbled himself by being obedient to death, even death on the cross. And this talks about Jesus not exercising his right, not exercising his right as being fully God, but rather Jesus laying down his right, taking on the nature of a servant, and humble himself to a death on a cross for us, for our sake, for our benefit. And it starts by saying we should have that mindset, the mindset of service. And in 1 John 3, 16 to 18, it explains that from a slightly different angle. It says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or a sister in need, but isn't moved, has no pity on them, doesn't do something about it, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. So Jesus is not just the gift given by the Father, but Jesus chose, deliberately chose, not to exercise his right, his right not to come, not to stand in the gap, not to die on the cross, but instead he chose to serve us by coming, by dying on the cross, by being a sacrifice that removed the sin from our account. And what 1 John shows us is basically that serving is loving. That Jesus served us by dying a death on a cross. Jesus loves us by dying a death on a cross. Serving and loving are the same thing. So why? 
Why do we have a servant heart? Because we accept Christ into our lives. And as we accept Christ into our lives, we accept that we bow down to him and we become his servant. It's, it's like Jesus hitchhiking and uh, a car pulls up and Jesus says, I, I'd, like to go, uh, I'd like to go to the next town, I'd like to go to Leeds, please. And, and the driver says, sure, hop in, I'll drive you there. And Jesus says, no, no. The only way I'm getting in this car is if I drive. When we come to Jesus, we don't plug Jesus into a hole in our lives where we feel that we're, we're missing something. We don't, we don't plug Jesus into the need for something that we've never quite satisfied. When we, when we come to Jesus, we come before him and however we say it, however we express it, we recognize he is our Lord. We don't come to plug him into some kind of gap or paper over a crack or or fulfill some kind of longing inside of ourselves or in some kind of aspect. No, we say, you are Lord. And as we say, you are Lord, we then become his servant. And, and as he loves us and gives to us, as we become his servant, there grows in us a love for others. And that through being plugged into Christ, we develop an empathy, an awareness, a heart for each other and for the world. The, the, the best example I've, I've seen of this in my life, I've, uh, I've, I've been out to South Africa with students, sixth form students from, from this college, from the college I work in, in Hull, uh, and I've been six times. And sixth formers are great. They have, they have loads of, of energy and enthusiasm. They're they're not the most skilled people in the world when it comes to painting or decorating or construction or some parents of people that age might say, or of most things. But, but they're, they're developing. So, so we go to South Africa and then they go and they volunteer in a township. And, and some of the work they do is construction. And there's a guy that comes who's, from, who's a part of the church who's a man called Harry, uh, Harry Van Liesenhout, and he's 70 years old. And... We go, South Africa is a very divided society, it has pockets of affluence and pockets of extreme poverty that, that coexist within just a mile of each other. Uh, and Harry's quite a wealthy man who runs his own business, he runs, he runs a building business, he's, he's big in concrete. If you need any concrete window sills, he's your man, although shipping might be an issue. Um, so, so Harry's this man in his 70s who's a builder. Uh, and he's a rough and ready builder. He became a Christian later in life. He became a Christian in his 50s. Um, and it, he's, he's alongside our students, showing them some basic construction techniques, helping them build houses for some of the poorest people in the South African townships. And he's not just there when we're there. He's there on a Saturday. He's there at weekends. He leads a midweek group in the church, and, and the midweek group that he leads is within the township, um, and it's people who are migrants from um, Zambia or from Malawi, who, who, are, who are workers, uh, who, who are in that region. And he said to me, he said, Mark, when I said, do you never get tired of doing all this good stuff, Harry? He said, Mark, I used to, before I became a Christian, I used to hate black people. I was a racist. I couldn't stand them. I didn't even think they were proper people. He said, and I gave my life to the Lord when I was 50, and he melted my heart. And he said, I don't hate these people. I love these people. 
I love these people. And I thought, this is a man who's lived the first 50 years of his life as a wealthy, arrogant racist in a divided society that allowed him to exercise his, his life in a certain way. His attitudes and his emotions were ingrained, and he met Christ. And when he met Christ, it not only transformed his attitude, but it transformed what he does with his time. And for all of us, it's the same. In different situations, in different areas of life, Christ melts our heart. And suddenly, the people that we had no time for, we suddenly love. We all, we all relate to different groups of people in different ways. We all do it. There are some people we naturally get on with. There are some people, let's just put it, we don't naturally get on with them. They just, by, by breathing, they wind us up. It's true, isn't it, though? You know, I used to think, like, rock bands going on the world tour, earning millions and millions of pounds. Why, why do they ever break up? But you know what it's like, you know, if you're like living next to someone, having breakfast with someone, going on stage with someone, and the very act of them breathing winds you up. You, you think whatever, if, if you're not a Christian, you think whatever it costs, I'm ending this relationship, I'm going solo. And in our natural selves, we're all the same, aren't we? There are people, there are people that we get on with, and there are some people that we just, they, they just wind us up, they just press our buttons, they just do our nutting. But when we come to Christ, we find that even those people, we start to love. We start to have concern for. We start to want to help. We start to want to see them do well. So we don't just serve to meet a need. We serve because it's, it's who we are. We serve because we have become a servant of Christ. Now, this is, this is the weird thing. So we, we sang some songs this morning, and we, we sang a few words. We said... You are good. We said, we said, you came to set the captives free. You came to give us liberty. We, we sang, my chains are gone. Then we, we had a bit of a crescendo at the end of one song, and we, we repeated a, a, uh, a refrain, unending love, amazing grace. So, so this is kind of weird. Before we became Christians, we were living for ourselves. We, basically, we were the captain of our own soul. We weren't bowing the knee to anybody. We, we were who we are. We were making all our decisions. We were living life for ourselves. So technically, we should have been completely free in this state. We should have been at liberty. We weren't answerable to anybody. But in that state of apparent freedom, we were in complete, complete and utter bondage. Unwittingly, we were in complete slavery to sin. We were bound by the chains of sin and we were complete slaves. We accept Christ as our Lord and Savior, and we, are, and we articulate, and we say, Lord, I'm your servant. No longer me, but you. Please have your life through me. I want to be more like you. And as we articulate that we're servants, as we articulate that we are now slaves to righteousness, technically, we should be in some way, a bit more constrained than we were before we knew him. But even though technically we're slaves, we're slaves to righteousness, we're servants of Christ, we have the most amazing liberty. We have the greatest freedom that we've ever had at any stage in our lives. It's like, um, 
I'm digressing, but in the Bible, um, Jesus is with his disciples and, and they're, they're having a bit of a discussion about who he is. And they're saying, who do you say that I am? And people say you're Moses. Some people say you're this. And, and he looks at um, Peter and he says to Peter, he says, who do you say that I am? And nobody told him this. And Peter says, you're the Christ. And he says, that's true. And I tell you this, you are Peter. And it's like Peter didn't really know himself who he really was his real true identity until he said, you are Christ. And as he acknowledged Jesus' lordship, he was free to be who he always was all along. He was reunited with himself, the real Peter. And it's the same for us. As I say, you are Jesus, you are my Lord. He says, and you are Mark, created to do good works. And you are, and you are, and you are created to do good works. And in our, in our booklet about the values we have, in, in this section about having a servant heart, it finishes with one line. It finishes saying, um, it's our longing to see our enthusiastic servant-heartedness. It's our longing to see this modeled in every aspect of life. And if we could just have the last scripture. I said that just to encourage people and give you a subliminal cue there. The last scripture, I thought... I thought that might help. As we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Our attitude of serving others, of seeing to their needs, is for everyone. It's not just for us in here. But there's a, there's a specialness about the, the serving heart within the body of Christ, of the community of believers, the family of believers. So I'm going to finish with just one story before we pray together. Uh, and, it, and it's this. So, so last week I was, um, I was working and I was helping some students do a sponsored walk and they're walking from Spurn Point and they're walking into the city of Hull. And they're walking on the Humber Bank and they started at like high, half five in the morning and my job was I, was, I was catering, so, so I drove the minibus uh, up the Humber Bank and parked there and set up the camping stoves, and I was making them some bacon sandwiches. And I was thinking as, as I was preparing this, I was thinking, oh, I might, I might be able to tell that story because, you know, I was helping them, but I was having my own breakfast as well, and that's not really, that's not really sacrificial serving, that's not really laying aside your agenda, um, that's just like having a shared breakfast. You know, it's like you have a, you have a picnic and you're full and you've got a bag of crisps left over and you give it to someone. Well, well, that's fine, but that's not really serving. That's just like getting rid of a bit of excess food. It's still a good thing. Don't, don't not do it, but, but it's not really serving. It's just, I've got this, it's spare, you can have it. Serving is seeing someone's need and attending to that need before you attend to your own. So I thought, oh, I'll use this, I'll use this little story about, about myself as, as an example of not really serving. Uh, and as I thought about it, I then realized what I'd done without even thinking about it. So these students had done a bit of walking. I got up at the same time. I was just as hungry, but I wasn't walking. So, so I made them bacon sandwiches on, on the camping stove. Not that crispy, I have to say, but I tried my best. I made sure everyone had had some food. Made egg sandwiches for vegetarians. Um, good job there were no vegans. They'd have had a ketchup sandwich. They were all at, 
I asked if any of them wanted seconds, made sure that the guys who had wanted seconds, made sure everything was in the bin. They then started walking again, and then I made myself a bacon sandwich. And I thought, I was serving them. I wasn't just doing my job. I had the heart of a servant towards them. And the reason I'm saying that is, if I, if I can do that without even thinking it, I'm just looking at a group of people and I'm thinking, you know, just about everybody here is already at that level. You know, I'm going to pray, Lord, give us this uh, attitude of having a servant heart. Give us the enthusiasm to go. But we're, we're on the train. We've left the station on this one, folks. We're, we might not have got there, but we're making good progress across the front. We, we might not have got there. We might not have got there, but just about all of us are on the journey. I just feel in my heart, you know, this isn't a topic that I'm introducing to you guys. This is a topic that's close to people. This is, this is something that we're walking in already. I'm, I'm praying that we're going to quicken the pace, that we're going to go into new territory. There's a prophetic word this morning. It was a picture, and, and it, it was uh, one of those pictures which is not immediately easy to interpret. It was that our servant nature is like a fence. Uh, and the person who saw the picture saw a fence, and it, and it was a fence. You could see it was a fence. It was there, but it wasn't perfect. There, there were some gaps in it, and there were some bits where maybe the posts weren't quite straight. But they saw a fence. And they, they saw prophetically that for us, the next stage is to make that fence complete. And as I close in prayer, that's where we're at, church. This isn't something that we've not grasped. We believe in service. We believe in laying down our lives and serving each other and serving this city. But there's a territory for us to take because God wants to use us to reach this city. And we are reaching this city, but he wants to use us in a greater measure. And being transformed and living from the inside out is going to help us move into a new area of service and that new area of service is going to bring about a new area of effectiveness. And that's what we're going to pray for right now. But if you're thinking, you know, I've never actually done the thing. I've never actually said, Jesus, you are my Lord. I, I'm not his servant. Then I'm going to give you an opportunity today. We'll just all bow our heads and, and pray. But this first prayer... This first prayer is for anyone who has never said, Jesus, you are my Lord. Jesus, I know you died on the cross and I want to accept you into my life and forgive my sins and I want you to be my Lord. If you've never, if you've never made that statement in your heart, then as we pray, if you pray it in your head and you mean it, then, then right now as we pray, Jesus will become your Lord and you will become a Christian and you will have your sin and all your past wrongdoings removed, completely removed from your account. So let's pray. Jesus, this morning I want to make you my Lord. I, I acknowledge that I've done things wrong and I've lived my life in the in a way that is not pleasing to you. And I want you to forgive me for everything that I've done wrong. To wash me clean. And right now, Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. 
and I choose to follow you from this moment on. Amen. If you said amen to that prayer and it was the first time you've really said that and meant that, then when people go for teas and coffees, I'd love, we'd love for you to come to the front and someone from the ministry team will pray with you and celebrate with you. And we'll, we'll give you some stuff to read and some stuff to take. But for all of us now, Jesus, thank you that you chose to take on the nature of a servant. That you freely chose to meet our needs, our needs for redemption, rather than exercising your right. And Lord, from the inside out, that's how we want our service to be. We don't want to be a people who meet needs because there are needs to be met. We want to be a people who, by their very nature, are need-meeting people. Lord, help us become more like you. Lord, encourage us. Encourage us to take the next steps in this exciting journey. Lord, give us creative ideas. Lord, let none of us, let none of us look at how someone else serves and feel bad because we can't serve in that way. Lord, for each of us, help us to understand and show us the uniqueness of what we've got to offer how we can be a blessing to people in this community, in this family, and Lord, to people in this city. Increase our empathy. Lord, when we read, so loved the world that he gave, Lord, help us to understand in our own minds, in our own hearts, that feeling of so loved Hull that we can become a people that so love Hull that we're inspired to go further, to do greater in your name. Amen. Amen. I have my eyes closed. I could have gone off the edge. <laughs>